Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, this is episode 31. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. Um, and, and I'm Nessa. Well, that cat's out of the bag now. Um, so oh, yeah. Sorry. We, no, we're good. We're we're all good. Um, we have Nessa, who is a writer at Project Stardust, which um, we talked with Magdal before, who is uh, your founder, founder and leader. And how do you just get anyway? Um, so uh, we're very excited to have her on. Um, a quick note about this episode that's going to be a little bit weird. Um, we recorded episode 32 before we recorded this episode due to scheduling kind of conflicts. So we may reference a couple of things that you have no idea why we're referencing it. It's because we recorded an episode a week ago, um, that, uh, about a couple of things that, um, isn't coming out until the week after this. So that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, first, uh, we want to get into, we like to know a little bit about our guests um, before we get into it. But So, uh, Nessa, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into Star Wars and all of that kind of stuff. So, Star Wars has been around in my life for quite a while. I actually went to go see The Phantom Menace when it was like in theaters. And that immediately started my love for Padme Amidala. Um, I, I will say that like Star Wars kind of was, it's it's an undercurrent fandom of mine. Like whether I was actively in it or not, it's always been in my life. So it's just, it's a happy place. <laughs> it's both of our happy places too. So um, uh, one more question, which is how do you get to be um, a writer at Project Stardust? And what do you, what do you do there? What do you, what have you done so far there? Yeah. So Project Stardust was definitely one of those impulse decisions that turned out beautifully. Uh, Meg and I are both in Galactic Vampire on Facebook. And she happened to put this post out there that, that she was looking into starting this website that was going to be like female and femme kind of voices and promotions and just refocusing the discussion around Star Wars to make sure that voices that aren't, aren't normally heard get the chance to speak. And I remember looking at my wife and I was like, I think I might do this. And she was like, yeah, why not? See what happens. And it just like, we got into this really awesome like Facebook messenger chat and then it became a Slack. And I was like, oh my God, this is real. Like this is actually happening. So now what I do is I do content creation and I do editing. Uh, most of what I've done so far is editing. I don't know if you guys have read anything on the website yet. So I've edited um, a couple of articles, like the one about Finn that was put out and the one about uh, Anakin and Rey and the differences between like their chosen ones. Um, and then I'm actually currently writing an article about LGBTQIA plus representation and why it's important in the Star Wars universe. I've seen The Mandalorian. I've yeah, heard that this he hasn't seen The Mandalorian this week. Um, I'm, so I know, I'm so sorry. Nessa and I I've are going to talk busy. about it. We're talking about chapter 14 of The Mandalorian called The Tragedy. Um, and let me tell you something. I've been saying a lot that the odd numbers of the of episodes of The Mandalorian have been incredible. And the even numbers one have been only okay. And uh, this broke my streak. Um, I was going to say. Even numbered episode. <laughs> and it kicked ass. It was so good. Like... I remember sitting there watching it and I was like, okay, this just literally keeps getting better and better. <laughs> and as yeah. every, and that, you know, like usually I will say like Mandalorian episodes, they build to a moment 
So, you know, you have like a reveal or a character development moment. And it's not that it's a bad thing, but it's like you, you, you come to a You get point into it after a while. You and, get, it gets predictable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But this one was, it was like hit after hit after hit after hit. And I loved yeah. it. I was having so much fun. <laughs> so let me explain something. I hated Boba Fett. I had, I had a vitriol for Boba Fett because I hate characters who just stand there and look cool and don't do anything. You're not alone. <laughs> but I also, I, I couldn't get it. Like I yeah. could not wrap my mind around it. <laughs> but man, Tamalera Morrison in this episode. And I, I, this is another thing. I loved Django Fett. I love Django, but I always hated yeah. Boba. This episode genuinely, and I've heard this from so many other Star Wars fans, made me love Boba Fett. Yeah. I would like in that moment, you know, I, I can't even pinpoint the exact moment. It may be the first time that he like swung on a stormtrooper and just shattered their helmet. I was like, oh, this is the guy that everybody likes. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it was, yeah, I just got to say Boba was the moment I saw, first of all, I should never make predictions about the Mandalorian again because the first thing I said after the Jedi was, oh, they're not going to get to Tython until the end of the season. Um, and then they instantly <laughs> just land on Tython. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we see the Slave 1 flying overhead. And there have been some rumors about the Slave 1 in Season 2. I'm like, nah, no, it's not going to be in Season 2. And then you see it and, and, and I'm like, that's the Slave 1. Yeah, you that's have that moment effect. where you're like, that's something that I've seen, or you're like, we've seen hints of since, you know, like, decades. Yeah. Um, and here it is, actually, like, cinematically in motion, and you get to see how that thing lands, which is so strange. Yeah. It's such a weird little ship. <laughs> it's a strange ship. Um, I think the thing that most Star Wars fans want, and I feel like we're gonna get it, is the seismic charge. Everyone is just like... Everyone just yes. foams at the mouth of that seismic <laughs> charge. I feel like there's no way we're not going to get it now. The so the big two points of the episode are the baby gets captured, which I saw yes. coming two miles away. And yep. the Razor Crest gets destroyed, which I saw coming nowhere. Um, right? Yeah. I it think was I actually like gasped out loud when it happened. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I just saw it. I'm like, that totally just happened. Um, it yeah. was it was a very what I loved about the tragedy was that even though the name I hate the name I think it could have been gotten a very a much better episode name it felt very Empire Strikes Back to me it felt like yep this is the time where G Gideon's been waiting for thirteen episodes this is the time where he's gonna come and he's gonna strike back hard and that's exactly what he did um, yeah that's exactly what he did like he yeah. he saw his moment and he took it and I think that's why. I like him so much because he carries the same kind of gravitas to me that Thrawn does in that like he has a plan no matter how much it seems like that plan is not going his way it will work I'm reluctant to put him on the same level as Thrawn because I, I well no no no, no. Love, not, definitely not Thrawn. the same level as Thrawn but like that kind of thread <laughs> and then Grogu was bashing those stormtroopers together I'm worried that about was... him yeah, that is definitely really concerning. And I think a friend of mine mentioned something that really kind of struck me about this episode is that in terms of action, Grogu and Din don't necessarily do a lot. 
but no. every moment we see with them is massive character development. Though, like, actually, who knows? Significant. Maybe those stormtroopers <laughs> are played by terrible human beings. The last person needed a dark side yeah. force power to was played by a terrible human being. Maybe these. Yeah, ones are. exactly. Maybe Yoda has Grogu- a prophetic power. <laughs> Grogu's just letting us know. <laughs> he, he's just, he just put it. These are terrible, terrible people. It was a really great episode, and I cannot wait. It was. Even I'm though, really glad. Even though they clear, clearly set up that next episode with Mayfeld. Uh, yeah, I'm not looking of forward to that. Of all the people for him, for them to bring back, like I'm wondering that because I know the prisoner is gonna remain my least favorite uh, episode of the Mandalorian until they do something worse, which I don't think they're gonna do anytime. Which soon. I hope will never happen. Yeah, so um, I'm actually I'm like, a really big fan of that episode, and I can't even tell you why. Like, really, it may just be because I really love Twi'leks. Like, I just I was so excited to see live action ones. That may honestly be it. Shion may be carrying that episode alone for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they love bringing back characters from the first season, and I think that's going to be a theme. Um, I think so, too. Absolutely. Like, they, yeah. its groundwork is more of what the first season was, which yeah. a lot of shows don't always manage to pull off in terms of, like, keeping groundwork seasons interesting. Yeah. But, but they did a good job. It. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're really um, getting into it. Uh, one final question before we call Jacob back. Um, mm-hmm. So that Tython call, I mean... Grogu is out of it before the Dark Troopers. By the way, we have Dark Troopers from a 1990s video game now in the Mandalorian. My wife has been playing that game. And I remember, That's like, great. I was like, I don't know what these are. And she goes, the, I do. The funny thing is, <laughs> the funny thing is, I I have that game, or one of those, those games. I played it for about a half an hour, and I hated it so much because of the boring and outdated gameplay that I kind of just quit. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I yeah. get the same way about video games. If the gameplay can't catch me, I can't do it. I yeah. can't force my way through it. Anyway, Sorry, Mass Effect 1, I'll never play you again. <laughs> oof. My question to you is, so he was out of that call. Yeah. Do you think someone's going to answer that call? And so, and if you do, which I do, who's going to answer that call? Okay, I do think someone is, 100%. And I have... I have three favorites for who I think will answer, and who are, I would love to have answered. The one, one I was, think is going to... Oh, one go ahead. One's going to be Luke, the other one's going to be Ezra, the third one's going to be... I have no idea. Cal Kestis. If he's alive. If he's alive. But those are like my three. I feel like Luke is the most obvious. Yeah. Um, and then with them, you know, obviously name-dropping Thrawn, Ezra Actually, I think bumps Ezra's pretty the high most up. obvious because of the Thrawn thing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I could definitely see Ezra being the most obvious one. If yeah. they really want to take us for a shocker and bring in Cal, I would probably cry. He already has an actor. Yeah. So. Cameron Monaghan <laughs> looks so much like Cal. My thing is, um, I don't like any of the three options. I think I like Luke the best. But yeah. uh, my thing is, like, I was thinking, oh, what if they just bring in a new Jedi? And then I'm like, yeah, that would necessitate another Jedi surviving Order 66, which I don't want. Because yeah. if they keep making Jedi survive Order 66, then Order 66 is not longer going to be so impactful anymore. Yeah, especially um, if it's, like, a Jedi that survived that maintains being a Jedi. Yeah. You know, like, obviously we have Kanan's story where, you know, he yeah. survived, but he doesn't really consider himself a Jedi for a while. So, but yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I'm, think a new I'm, Jedi I'm would be good. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I also don't want no one to answer it. It's a dilemma. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want it to be like, oh, cool, they did this, and then nothing comes of it. Yeah. 
<laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see for that. Uh, let's get to um, the Clone Wars episodes. This week we listened to um, Bomb... No, I almost said Bomb Bad Jedi, which is next week, which we recorded last last week. Rookies, Downfall of a Droid, and Duel of the Droids. Um, without any further ado, let's uh, let's get into this thing. Um, first, there's Rookies. Um, and let's just get into our... Um, what was it? Um, fortune, fortune cookie. Yeah. Fortune cookie. The fortune because... cookie this week is uh, the best, or I guess not this week, the, for this episode, my bad. The best confidence builder is experience. Um, you guys have any thoughts about that? I have some thoughts, but uh, if anyone else wants to go first, I might be a while. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a weak fortune cookie myself. I think there could have been uh, better themes, like, I don't know, like, family comes first or something, like, something in the vein of family comes first, or, you know, the def like, it, I don't know, it didn't feel like that was what the episode was covering, exactly. I feel like they were trying to kind of hearken to what Rex had said to Ahsoka before, you know, like, in my experience, uh, or, in, yeah, but it, it didn't quite reach that. <laughs> Yeah, I thought of the same thing. Um, I think that uh, it, I, I think maybe where it fell short was picking the word confidence. Um, I, I think I think uh, I think that I think it's I think they were headed in the right direction, but the best confidence builders experience doesn't really fully encapsulate what was happening, because I think what was happening was also their gaining experience. You know, I think this uh, this fortune cookie it may not be the best, but I thought it was interesting. You know, um, and and it, it does kind of encapsulate the episode, even though I think it could have been better. You have this fresh batch of clones. They're 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 not particularly promising. They they kind of barely made it through training you might as say as we've rookies, seen. But, um, yeah, yeah, they they're rookies, and they're and then they're thrown into one of the most horrific and 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 difficult situations in the entire series. I think it's kind of ironic that they were placed on a backwater world because. They end up being the only thing standing between the Republic and pretty much irreversible defeat. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it has some. I think it has some merit, but I, I love this episode. So uh, I'm I'm a huge fan too. Um, I'd also like to announce that D. Bradley Baker has just been sent to the hospital because he from carrying this entire episode on his back. Um, <laughs> I got worried for a second. I literally had a moment of like, oh, what? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, I, no. I'm sitting at my computer. And I'm like, new tab, new tab, new tab. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm joking. Yeah. But seriously, though, he he does the entire episode. Other than Matt entire Lanter episode. and James Arnold Taylor as Anakin and Obi-Wan for a minute. This entire episode is him, which is incredible if you think about it. It really is. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, I think literally earlier today, about how he he does entire episodes by himself. Like, the episode with Slick is all clones. Camino, all clones. And it's like, how did you just sit? I've seen his little build that he has for recording, and it's this really adorable little closet. I'm like, do you just sit in this closet and talk to yourself for hours? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> Yeah, it is crazy. I remember reading at one point, um, at one point he, he even started doing multiple different clones' voices in one take. I'm not sure. I would assume that this is before that, just because it's it's pretty early in the series. But either way, 
amazing, amazing job by him. Yeah, yeah props to D. Bradley Truly, Baker. It, yeah, he manages to make them all sound so unique, even while having the exact same voice. Also, we should really talk about his Shakespearean, almost Shakespearean performance as Frog Lady a couple weeks back. Um. That was D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> yep. No way. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay i had no idea that's hilarious uh well oh uh, yeah so um it's revealed this episode that the reason that they're on this base and they're in this base is so important is because it's on the planet of rishi um just outside the rishi maze which is also where kamino is and they're trying to defend that area from separatists who obviously if they get into kamino and destroy the cloning facilities, then they basically win the war. Yeah. Uh. I, God, I just, it's it's crazy to think that they put this squad there, you know, like, see, knowing the Domino Squad episode, you're kind of like, why did they put these kids here? Yeah. They, yeah. they, they took multiple tries to get past that, um, the course, which doesn't make sense anyway, again. For reasons that yeah. it doesn't make sense, listen to our episode like a month ago. Uh, if you if you're training them using the uh, uh, separatist prison that you only ever go to once, maybe it's not the best training course. But anyway, uh, yeah, they're putting a bunch of rookies again, but um, uh, on a <laughs> on the moon protecting the cloning facilities. Yeah, I think um, and in response to Nessa, what you said about how did this happen. I, I thought of a couple explanations. One, maybe this is an example of maybe this is trying to tell us this is how thinly stretched the Republic truly is at this moment in time that they need to have or, or they can't afford to have any seasoned clones not directly in combat, even if it's not to defend arguably yeah. one of the most important posts in the entire war effort or what if this is what if this is them trying to tell us of the hubris problem that the republic has what if, what if this is another is. facet of that <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, yeah, jedi I, losing their way. I always i always talk about the jedi losing their way because i think it's a big i think i think it's a recurring it theme is. i keep noticing it yeah you know, it um, absolutely is but we see uh we we see uh, admiral Admiral Wielaren, I think it is, or Admiral Yularen, and Yularen, yeah. Admiral Yularen and Obi Wan, and they're talking, and and Obi Wan just says we, we've lost contact with Rex and Cody, and 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 then Yularen says, should we contact them? And and he says he's he's kind of dismissive, you know, he's not no, worried. And he fine. says he's like, no, the the beacon's still up, like they'll they'll contact us if they're in trouble. Well, clearly they can't contact you if they're in trouble, Obi-Wan and, and the esteemed Admiral here. Um, so, so I just think maybe it's a, maybe it's um maybe it's a bit of complacency on the, the Republic's part of saying, Oh, well, is this backwater? Is this, it's just a backwater posting, which, which I mean, seems a little far-fetched given that it's impressed upon us very early on how important this is. But, uh, yeah. That was just something that that I connected to was the the hubris and the, the the feeling of complacency that we see from from Yularen. We see it from Obi Wan. 
and we see it from some of the clones. You know, we see uh, we see Heavy saying, "There's nothing out here but but rocks." And oh no, a meteor shower! I'm so scared. And then and when even when he should be on guard instead of arm wrestling other clones. Yeah, they make a point of it being you know this. The the clones themselves say it's like the most boring station, most boring outpost. They're annoyed about being there. But like you said, it's very clear that this is super important because I kind of get the impression that it's the only outpost that exists in the Rishi maze. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, there's, yeah. The only thing so between the Separatists a... and Kamino is this planet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a very weird disconnect. And I think, you know, like what you said about the clones sharing that sort of complacency they're also learning from the Jedi because like we have to consider the shortness of their life experience. Everything prior to this has been training that happens in Camino. So for Domino Squad, this is their first time not being on Camino itself. Or kind of if the Jedi and the their superiors are behaving in this kind of nonchalant manner, why should we expect why should we expect them to do anything different? Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um anyway, so we get on to um the Separatists are invading. Uh, they're coming. Uh, they hide in a meteor shower, which is uh, crazy. And then we get a clone taken out by a commando droid, a clone sentry. Uh, Jacob, I don't know if you caught the uh, number of the clone sentry. I, I did catch the number, actually. I think you were pretty pleased, I imagine. <laughs> I was. I really was. It's, it's, it's the best. CT-327! Where are you, CT-327? It's it's a thing now, guys. It's three two seven is one of my favorite low hanging fruits of uh, any Star Wars anything, and we got it again. Speaking of low hanging fruits, how did the once the clones realize what's what's up, Jacob? How did they escape? They escape through an air duct. This is something that I'm not going to say it upsets me, but it peeves me. This is I from Star episode Wars 32. It's a good um, word for it. <laughs> the, yeah. This is from episode 32 we recorded last week. Um, we talked about the three tropes of Star Wars. We see all three in this episode. What are the other two that you're referring to? Dressing up as the enemy and the ship gets blown up. Of course. All three Yeah. in this episode. Of course. Yeah. And, and of course, fast, or not fast traveling, but just very conveniently placed wide air ducts that you can easily travel through that the doors aren't locked or yep, that's the third. they can easily be removed. You don't have to do anything special. I just, I think Star Wars television has a real problem with these air ducts. We see it so much in Rebels. Yep. And I'm really realizing and now on this rewatch. Mando, wait, where does it show up in Mando? Am I forgetting remember something? The, I remember last time the event in Mando? The, the, in, I'm blanking. In the final episode of season one. Uh, they have to escape that building, and Kara blasts. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. Why do why do uh, architects in Star Wars love to leave? Just like they love their giant open gi- giant chasms, just going Absolutely. infinitely downwards, no plunging into the abyss. Why do they love to have giant air ducts? Am I sensing a fourth trope? <laughs> Perhaps I don't know. We got some really cool references in this episode. Um, there's an everything is fine here reference um from a new hope there's fully operational from return of the jedi there's references to mimben oh you could, yeah the, the mimben imperial reference. conquest one thing that i noticed about this episode that i really liked was a visual i thought the visuals of it 
while certainly not the most unique or exciting that we've seen in the Clone Wars, I think that's okay because I think the stark, the extremely stark, bleak nature of the the just the 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 barren moon and the 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 featureless hallways pretty much featureless except for a couple of posters i think i think it really conveys it, it conveys that like this is a or makes it feel like it's just a giant crucible for the clones and this is just like a it, ma- it makes it feel like a giant battle arena almost which it, it, to me it heightened the sense of um the clones kind of their really brutal and tragic um trial by fire one of the things i noticed about this episode also is how bleak it is this episode is ridiculously bleak i mean out of out of the five a domino squad three no wait why did i say three two i think maybe you were thinking of this maybe you're thinking of the sergeant no two out of domino squad make it out of this episode alive oh gosh cut up uh, droid bait dies i think in the hallway cut up gets eaten by that slug eel Eel. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, and yep. <laughs> heavy. We'll get to heavy, but heavy. Oh man. I think in particular, like Cutup's death scene, really kind of drives home how much the clones are disassociated from their own existence. Because like they're upset, but they just walk away from it. Yeah. And I feel like that that really kind of shows you how little the clones have been trained to devalue themselves as much as and because and that's another thing kind of like how the clones are learning from the jedi everyone else is also learning from this behavior of the clones if the clones don't value themselves why should they value the clone yeah there's also yeah, why should they value themselves there, yeah yeah exactly there's also a feeling of it, the clones in this case kind of are the audience in this case i mean not us because we're watching chronological order but it's important to note that this episode came out before clone cadets it would be another two seasons mm-hmm. before Clone Cadets came out. So we didn't know why Cut Up, Droid Bit, and Heavy were so important. When Cut Up died, I, I mean, I'm not sure if I viewed this before Clone Cadets, but maybe. Um, you know, when Cut Up dies, um, the audience go kind of goes, yeah, okay. Just like the clones yeah. go, yeah, okay. It's yeah, only okay. after seeing Clone Cadets that we realize... Uh, the origins of Cut Up's name and all that kind of stuff. It's very, it's a really interesting way to show the clones' position, like in the universe, in the military, even among themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot more emotion shown when the sergeant dies, yeah, than even when Cut Up dies. Even though Cut Up dies in a much more traumatizing way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think. Um... In my mind, I think that this, this even um, kind of, kind of continuing this theme of the clones lo- losing their or not really having, I think, a sense of humanity and kind of being uh, witnessing the Jedi, a lot of the Jedi treating them as expendable and uh, being conditioned to uh, like um, just leave people behind on the battlefield. The mission comes first, the the mission yeah. at all costs, that kind of thing. I think I I would have loved to seen. Maybe in, I don't know. Maybe um, what if what if the uh, what if Order sixty six didn't have the uh, the computer chips in the clone's brains? What if it didn't have the oh gosh, what are they called? Inhibitor chips. Yeah. What what if what if there weren't the inhibitor chips? I think that you could have made a much. I'm not gonna say more impactful, but I think you could have made an equally 
impactful story by saying there were no there were no inhibitor chips. The clones just did this because that that's where they that's the place that they were in, and that's where they were taken by their life of being being conditioned. So it was a little bit of revenge. To, um, yeah, by being and be, by being conditioned not to have not have to compassion. Question. Yeah, and not to question, and by witnessing. Um, the the Jedi who are their supposed leaders and I mean they they keep talking in this episode even I think this fits great with it they keep talking about man I wish that why this is so much harder without a Jedi if only the, a Jedi were here they could, we could save use us. a Jedi about now I wrote yeah. in my notes Cody would be great on in a galaxy <laughs> yeah what if <laughs> the Jedi I mean and then and then they see the Jedi as as kind of treating them as expendable in most cases I think Plo Koon for example is a good exception to that rule. That we yeah. see, but I think I think that would have been very interesting, and it, it would kind of be a, it would be sort of a moment of, um, well, you reap what you sow for for the Jedi and the Republic yeah. politicians. I always kind of joke that Plo Koon is probably like yelled at every now and then by the Council for treating his clones like his children. Yeah. <laughs> like that he's about more, as like, much as Anakin uh, uh, or even Yoda. Yeah. Plo Koon's. Uh, clone commander that he works with commander wolf wolf we end He's up one of my we, favorites i'm sorry <laughs> oh yeah of course wolf, wolf is awesome wolf is amazing we see wolf in rebels he's one of the three clones we know of along with rex and gregor who've who who, who uh defected or decided not to participate in order 66 for whatever reason and i i just think that is I that kind of that kind of on shows. That actually pardon i don't I don't remember where exactly it comes from, and it may actually be Legends now, but um, Wolf, to the best of my knowledge, like recognized that something off was happening, and instead of firing on Plo Koon, he actually drove his own ship into the ground. And he survived think... that? So, yeah. Whoops, I shouldn't <laughs> say that because he survived that is the story of Star Wars in the last five years. <laughs> I mean, I think that that just uh, that just makes my uh, yeah. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think that that fits. I, I it think validates that, your theory. <laughs> yeah, that is why my theory of there wouldn't need to be. Yeah, I feel validated by by realizing that we have Anakin who who treats his clones with with more, even though he leads them into a lot of danger. He 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 pretty much treats them with the most compassion, right up there with Plo Koon. And then we end up seeing Rex and Wolf kind of. Be, being the ones to break out of try, or to try and break out of order 66 yeah one thing i do have to mention is gregor is the other one who obviously is there in rebels he's actually part of the 212 he is yeah. so he is i did not know that's <laughs> interesting but yeah then that doesn't explain why cody you know if inhibitor chips doesn't don't exist it would explain my, Rex and Wolf, my thing with cody I love Cody. Love Cody. Cody is probably my number number two, um, in terms of clones. Uh, and I always kind of put that up to the training he has because I know that clone commanders like him. I believe he's a martial commander at that. They're trained very differently, so they undergo like a completely separate kind of like training regimen and i feel like with cody he almost has even less humanity than the average clone i know way too much about clones, <laughs> <laughs> clones you know 
We're glad to have a clone expert because neither of us are, I would say, are crazy clone experts. Jacob is more into the vehicles and I am more into the Jedi Sith stuff, so... We've got a great yeah. trifecta here, then. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. You you just made me realize when you brought up Gregor, too. Gregor is another one of these clones that is an odd one out. He has this amazing journey of humanization and self-discovery in um in uh, a sunny day in the void. When he's, he's when trekking we get to through that the desert. 2020, December of 2021. Oh gosh! <laughs> I'm half joking, but I'm half being completely serious. He he uh, um has his humanity affirmed by this experience, and this gives him more of a a sense of compassion and individuality than the average. Clone. Let's talk about Not to mention yeah. the fact that he's last stand. Um, one of the best lines in I think any of these three episodes. Do we take prisoners? I don't. <laughs> Boom. Oh, <laughs> that's a great. That's a gr- like. Touch. It destroys me emotionally. It's one of those Clone Wars deaths that absolutely tears me apart. But like, wow, what a great exit! Can I hearken to like another clone that has a very similar like end in a future episode? Which one are we yeah. going with? Hard case in oh. the Umbara art. Jacob's oh. a huge fan of Umbara, so. I love oh, hard case. God, I love the Ambar the- art. Yes. Oh my god, it's my favorite art. <laughs> I, mean, I know this is very far in the future, but I want to extend an invitation yeah. if you want to come. Okay, back let's the do this. Art, uh, please. Yes. That would be yes, so yes, much yes, fun. Yes. Yep. I'm gonna like. I'm getting our spreadsheet out. I'm gonna mark you down for that. <laughs> um, I you guys are gonna be fanning all favorite. You art. guys are gonna be fanboying <laughs> and girling all over that art. I'm not super into that. Oh arc. yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I like it. It's good, but I can't stand Ponkrell. Me either. Oh, but I, I'm, he's like he's one of those characters that we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're already doing this. Um, I love to hate him, and I love what he reveals about the dynamics between clones and clones and clones and Jedi. Yeah, I I, I love the way he. So, like, the clones, a lot of them are so quick to go along with yes. the way he treats them. And I think, yeah, I think that kind of, it always, that says a lot about the clones. Yeah. And, I'm just going to say that this episode is my favorite of the three. This might be my favorite episode of all of the episodes we've covered so far. Maybe Ambush. But I think it's this one. Yeah, I love yeah. this episode. Yeah. I... Do like that there is this like tiny recurring theme of Rex always getting an eye shot, like whenever he shoots something in the head with the dro- uh, with the droid that he shoots as pretending to be a clone with the eel. <laughs> he always hits it directly in the eye. I wow, I never I even noticed notice that, that before. One, but yeah. Um, so it, my wife so and I right. are we're, we so we're both huge clone nerds. Rex is her favorite clone. Probably mine Cody too, is my honestly. favorite. Or one of my favorites, yeah. So she always picks up things about Rex, and I always pick up things about Cody. But that one is one she always like. Every time we watch the episode, she's like, "There it is." I'm like, "Okay, honey." <laughs> Nailed it. I shot. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Absolutely. When the initial droid invasion happened, and you saw the, the, the big the um. Oh gosh, what are they? The commando droids. When we saw the commando droids storming the outpost, I loved the role. It felt like a role reversal. Where all of a sudden the clones are the ones who are, 
you have these these fresh clones fresh out of Camino they're the ones who are being outclassed they're the ones who feel outmatched and they feel like they feel like the commando droids are just faster and better and more competent and I really thought that was an interesting um that was that was just an interesting dynamic to me because so often we see oh the battle droids are just kind of lost and the clones are and now they're the making them look like the one imperson- one's impersonating them. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it makes exactly. Me, it makes me think of the episode of the Bad Batch arc where there's that really great scene of all of the clones like pouring out of the tree line and heading for that communications tower. Yeah, it's really unfortunate actually. I'm just thinking because we have the rookies, which is beautiful episode, great episode, one of my favorites of this season, and then we have Downfall of a Droid. Which is my least favorite episode I've watched so far. So I guess we're moving See, on downfall to of a droid. Downfall. downfall. This was an episode. Um, this was this was, but this was a very interesting episode. Yeah. I'll say that we start off with the uh, the fortune cookies. Trust in your friends, and they'll have reason to trust in you. What did you guys think of this uh, fortune cookie? I feel like so my my issue with this arc is that I feel like there's this accidental effort of teaching Anakin to not trust anybody. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what they do, they prove him right in his own kind of, like, and for lack of paranoia, that he doesn't trust new things. He doesn't trust new people, including new droids. And it's like, okay, so we're going to make sure that this droid drives that home. <laughs> yeah. It, it does feel like... Like, there's this thing that, um, I remember there was an interview or something with Mark Hamill. Um, they were talking about BB-8, and he's like, well, um, hearkening back to R2-D2, you know, R2-D2 is really the hero of Star Wars. Um, and he goes on this, like, 15-second long spiel about how R2 was the real hero, and he did more for the Rebel Alliance than Luke Connor Leia ever did. I feel like this arc was just a 40-minute stretching of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we Definitely get it r2 is good <laughs> he is a yeah. good droid we know <laughs> yeah i think nessa something you just said that that finally made everything click for me was when you said he he keeps getting anakin kind of gets it feels like anakin gets accidentally proven right over and over in the clone wars because he the reality he sees things from the perspective of like a soldier or a warrior and that brings him into conflict with the jedi right and, but yeah. instead of learning to be more peaceful, to, to to maybe cooperate a little more, maybe heed the wisdom of the Jedi Council a little more, the Jedi Council keeps letting him off easy because he's their star player. He's the, he's the one who's going to get the job done. He's a pivotal piece, not only for the war, but for the Jedi. In that, like, you know, without Anakin, obviously the war would be much more difficult. And then without Anakin, the Jedi might actually lose out on some of their own validity, I guess, for lack of a better word. They lean on him a lot. And I'm actually, for the first time, I'm just watching Clone Wars, I think is the difference. That was a trip. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. That was a trip. Um... Yeah, and I'm, I'm only a little bit into it, but to just have them kind of like, hand wave his trials into knighthood i was like wait wait <laughs> of any potential jedi knights i think anakin is the one who needs those trials the yeah, most yeah no kidding and and they just kind of like let it slide and you know the clone wars throughout all of like the events of the war 
he just keeps having things like brushed off, brushed aside. And when he does get in trouble, it's only briefly. And then Palpatine is immediately there to make him feel better about it, usually. Yeah, probably. So let's get to R3S6. The single part of this arc that I don't understand. How did that work? Like, here's, I have these famous logistical problems. But seriously, how did Grievous successfully get an astromech droid into the Republic to sabotage everything? And apparently Obi-Wan was the one who assigned it to Anakin. How did nobody notice? There's multiple opportunities for somebody to be like, you know what, this droid is defective. And I feel like a little bit of that, because uh, I will admit these are some of my least favorite episodes. So Mine too. Before no. this, I actually was was I was actually watching them again because I've only seen them once. There's you know there's this whole bit where Obi Wan chides Anakin about attachment for being attached to R two. R two units are a, a dime a dozen, which is a whole other tiny issue for me. Where do they get dimes? Um, yeah, I was. <laughs> And where is hell in the last episode? Right. Where is hell? He's just, like, we have a clone. Say, what the hell? Where's hell? Wait, no, no. Wait. There's yeah. a, there's a, um, where is it? It's a Hauntal line. Then I'll see you in hell. So not the first time. This is the stuff we do on In a Galaxy. But, You'll fit right in. Um. I love it. I love it. But, you know, there's this bit where Anakin again gets, you know, chided for being attached to R2. But at the same time, we see Ahsoka being attached to R3. By being like, he's doing his best, you know, everything will be fine. We'll just let him keep trying. Like, you can see her learning that exact same attachment. Whoops. And I feel like that just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's funny because, like, um, you know, the more competent, um, sorry, the more incompetent R3 seems, it, and we get the more competent R2 does seem. He gets stuff done. He gets stuff done. (laughs) He sabotages the ship. I was trying to make another sabotage montage like I did for our episode a couple weeks ago. I could not get the clip, so I can't do it. But know if I could do it. Um, An unlisted video of one minute of R2 sabotaging Ganok's ship um, to the BC Boy song (laughs) would have gone up around this time. Yes. (laughs) But, like, how poorly must other R3 units behave if nobody looked twice at him like not even being able to open a door. Yeah. I also love the fact <laughs> yeah. now that I think about That's it. A good point. Um, R3 is technically the newer model. And yet yeah. R2 is like 10 times better. Weren't R3 units um like R2 units that were specifically uh upgraded and made for military use in the Clone Wars? So wouldn't they be actually extra good at their job, not extra bad at their job? <laughs> Why did nobody think twice about this? It bugs me so much, really- like especially Anakin. I mean, Anakin is so particular about technology. Yeah. Let alone, you know, like his own personal issues with there being a different droid. But, you know, he's 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 a mechanic at heart and he doesn't he's like, "Yeah, yeah, this is really annoying and I don't want this story anymore, but at no point does he be like, what is wrong with this thing? Yeah. Um, I want to point out before we proceed on some low-hanging fruit, some memes specifically. Jacob, did you catch the Clone Wars meme from this episode? I... Uh, well, I guess I'm in charge now. That, oh, yeah. I love that <laughs> That's one. That's a great I, meme. I could, I, could, I could gush for hours about how I think 
the battle droids make the Clone Wars great. Grievous tells a battle droid, if we attack from above, they will have the advantage. And Grievous, this is why the Separatists keep failing. That If you attack from above, you will have a, the advantage. It's called having the high ground. Have the high ground. <laughs> Personally, I absolutely loved the opening scene on Bothawui. I thought the battle was incredible, but I thought that it kind of shows the best and worst of Anakin. I think that he's, at the some point, you see uh, he's a brilliant leader and a brilliant skilled fighter with the whole asteroid maneuver. Which I got wrong yeah. in our trivia match, and I'll never forget. Oof. Never again, Hey, I movie guess. trivia schmodown, but, um, please hire me anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's, we see him as, he's like a brilliant... He's, a, he's brilliant, and yet his attachments are also constantly putting him and the people... Him. Yeah, they're undermining him, and not only that, they're putting the people around him in mortal danger. He literally risks the entire Republic, pretty much, by refusing to wipe R2-D2 and then taking him into the heart of the action over and over and over again. Exactly, and I think it says a lot that Ahsoka knows... So this is, again, that kind of, like, I mean, she even says to Obi-Wan, like, it's been really beneficial for him to have all these old battle tactics. So it's clear that she knows that Anakin is intentionally not wiping R2's memory. So it's just this, like, it's, again, that, that thread of learning from the people around you, which I feel kind of shows... The image I have coming to my mind is, this is really strange, but, like, Samson from the Bible pulling down the pillars... <laughs> so like Anakin is there at the center and all these threads he's holding like when he falls he could pull it all down yeah exactly he is very yeah. much that's, a, that's a really great metaphor when Anakin is brought back from like the very beginning during the battle you know his ship yeah. gets you know damaged all of that uh, when he wakes up in the med bay first of all what is the color wash in that scene <laughs> it's so white like it's all washed out but on top of that, there is a, um, like a stim bolt, I think is what they called it. And it's supposed to be for medical purposes, but they put it on his prosthetic arm. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, is his, pro his, prosthetic, his prosthetic arm isn't, is covered in that scene, right? Yeah, so it's on the glove. Wait, what? Maybe, I'm, gosh, I'm not, maybe that's a mistake. Wow. That's hilarious. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it runs me every time. <laughs> I, I think most people would agree with me in saying that this this episode, the animation, was pretty rough. But it's season there one. may be an explanation. There may be an explanation for that, which was this episode was actually the second ever Clone Wars episode produced mm -hmm. because the first episode was rolled into the movie. So yep. I think that can explain why the animation is kind of takes a dive also, from the, the episodes we have before and after. Because if, if the it's it produced oh. alongside the movie, the movie already has a eh, story. In the original production, the, this um this this uh, arc was actually going to be earlier chronologically, and the idea was that Ahsoka's uh, reckless flying maneuver that we see well, would make Anakin doubt her ability to fly, and and that is why she would be his Y wing gunner in the Shadow of the Malevolence episode. Oh. Also. On a tactical, there's a tactical screen, fun trivia right here. There's a tactical screen where in Arabesh we can see the uh, the text ATTE rules, rules with a three instead of an instead of an E and a Z, but we see the same 
we see the same text on the detonator screen in rookies. Also on our also in Orbesh on the screen, we can see take that grievous. I thought that was pretty funny. Awesome. For more fun <laughs> trivia, sorry, did I say fun? I meant head bashing. For more head bashing trivia, check out Force Toast to Star Wars Happy Hour episode fifty. I think you'll enjoy it. Um. Anyway. Uh, I'm not saying anything about what I sent into them. I'm just saying we're going to be <laughs> oh, tortured no. next episode. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Please tell me it's not. Please tell me it's not Ochi of Bastoon related. Uh, no, it isn't. It's just the hardest trivia I've ever written. Let's get on to deal with the droids finally, right, Jacob? Ah, finally, okay. yeah. I don't actually really have too much to say about this episode. It's great because it's not downfall of the droids. I think. Um, yeah. It's not great, <laughs> but like it's much better. Um, it's already higher up on the list. Yeah. Um, here's something that's um, three of three. Um, in all three episodes, somebody says I have a bad feeling about this. The fortune cookie for this episode is you hold on to your friends by keeping your heart a little softer than your head. You know, I think that this, it doesn't quite have a ring to it, but I think it makes sense. You know, Anakin saves R2 by... He follows his heart uh, to try and find R2 rather than sticking with the squad and destroying the station. However, this also means that a lot of clones, he leaves a lot of clones to get killed by Grievous. And also he leaves his apprentice Ahsoka in mortal peril when, when she has to, to face Grievous alone. So maybe Anakin's heart is a little biased towards R2-D2. Yeah. But I think the moral, yeah. this moral kind of shows how blatantly, with the use of the word heart, how blatantly Anakin constantly goes against the Jedi code, how he constantly try, tries to protect his attachments, and I think and how he he clearly has these attachments for all to see. And I think it's kind of astounding when you consider episodes like these and you consider Ahsoka's seeing it, Rex is seeing it, the clones are seeing it. It's kind of astounding that no one no one checks in on him sooner and tries to figure out, hey, what's going on? Something's not right here. Actually, that was my right. first thought. I'm like, okay, it's a little on the notes. Um... <laughs> yeah, uh, it's let's see. Um, can I mention real quick that this? I almost hate my brain for noticing this, but do y'all remember the uh, God, the thing with the blue and white, gold and black dress? Oh yeah, I remember that. Isn't that R two and Goldie? Oh my gosh! Wait, what? it was different colors. Wait a second. It was. Because there is, there's white there's and one gold scene, and blue and black. No, he's black and gold. No, it was white and it was white and gold and black oh, and blue. Still okay. shockingly there, close. There's, there's one scene. I think it's right before they make Rex like carry. Maybe it wasn't a dress all along. Maybe it was an astromech droid. <laughs> Um, but like they're standing in this like darkened kind of hangar and I had a moment where I looked at my screen and I was like oh that's R2 and I was like wait no that's Goldie because <laughs> the colors just looked completely opposite yeah uh, interesting <laughs> fun fact here um, apparently R3S6 the colors are actually based off the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers of, oh, um, there's Dave referencing of, of Dave Filoni's hometown Pittsburgh. Dave Filoni's from Pittsburgh and you know I think it's it's weird that Dave Filoni would make a sports team that he ostensibly would want to root for be this Trattoria Stroid. Maybe this episode yeah. came. Maybe the maybe this maybe the Steelers uh, let him down. They, yeah. yeah, maybe they lost. Maybe they lost the Super Bowl <laughs> that year By or something. Way, if, Who knows? And if you guys I'm not haven't a football seen, fan, so I don't know. Check out uh, the Chef Show. Um, 
at oh my god it's so Lucasfilm. good uh they did a live episode with lucasfilm it's john favreau and david chang um uh, and they had oh, that sounds on amazing. Dave, they had on Dave Filoni for an episode, and they and Dave Filoni talked about Pittsburgh in that episode, and um, being a big yeah. hockey fan. Uh, just watch like all of the Chef Show; it's so yeah, good. It's one show. of our favorites. I, like, I just yeah. watched the one with it's Robert amazing. Rodriguez after that episode of Mandalorian. <gasps> nice. Uh, How my is this one not is... come on my radar? This sounds amazing. I don't know. So it's based off of a movie that John Favreau was in, and I think possibly directed. I can't remember. Um, so you can watch Chef, which is also a really good movie, and then the Chef show kind of like runs with the idea there where like Favreau was actually learning how to cook in professional kitchens during the course of the film being made. And he just kind of like drives around and goes all over the country and like learns how to cook awesome meals with people and they talk about life and they talk about cool stuff. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it, Absolutely wow. fantastic. I, just, I definitely I'm just promoing the show. I promise I'm not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> R2 versus R3. I'm sorry. I might have uh, just thought in my head. Cora, Rata. It, it was, it, it's the weirdest thing. Because I feel like it's supposed to be this epic duel between the good droid and the bad droid. But it's just really silly. It's goofy. But then it's, <laughs> I don't understand. It's goofy, but then R2 brutally murders R3. <laughs> Like he got on choppers level. Oh that yeah, one. absolutely. No, I I wrote in my notes. Um, it's over R three. I, I have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like a mashup of Maul versus Qui Gon and Obi Wan from Phantom Menace and Obi Wan versus Vader in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, <laughs> except for much but, sillier. But I also really like, and I hesitate to call it this, but like the duel between Grievous and Ahsoka. I feel like it really shows it gives grievous a little bit more of that creep factor i feel like he's supposed to have and also shows a lot of ahsoka's overconfidence like just seeing how she feels like she can actually take on grievous but then seeing how easily like he knocks her lightsaber away and breaks her calm and like actually teaches this padawan a lesson yeah and he had lightsabers not just a staff made out of best oh sorry never mind wrong episode wrong series oh <laughs> That'll come out next episode, but anyway. Yeah. I think that Ahsoka, for me at least, I think Ahsoka was kind of the star of this episode though. And and I thought that she really I I really liked how she stepped up. And of course because she uh, was she's the star, to she has George. to escape through an air vent. Yep. True, but you know it was kind of one-sided, but I really really liked the Ahsoka Grievous lightsaber duel that we got. Yeah. I thought it was the most, so far at least, it was definitely the most fluidly, fluently choreographed. I thought that the size difference, almost a bit of a David Goliath situation, yeah. was, was really, um, they kind of took advantage of that and, 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 and used some really interesting maneuvers that I hadn't seen before. So I really enjoyed yeah. it. I felt like it had some urgency and sense of danger that had been missing yeah. from this arc. Like it really felt, it really felt, you felt the tension. It felt yes. like there were stakes. Yeah. Yep. And just, I don't want to fanboy like too much. That was the only moment. <laughs> yeah, the only moment. I don't want to fanboy too much, but just knowing what Ahsoka becomes and all the yes. amazing stuff she does, that was just like, I, I think of in The Force Awakens when we hear, um, we hear the whispering, Ray, these are your first steps. I kind of think of that for Ahsoka. 
And so I feel like I'm cheering internally the whole time during that duel. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the start of You've taken your first step into a larger Amazing awesomeness. Um, (laughs) I was just thinking through that episode, Ahsoka is getting attached to Goldie, but then Ahsoka 30 years later warns uh, Din Djarin against attachment. Um, Yeah. That's just my... um, Yeah, it's crazy seeing how far that character has come. Uh, it really is and i it's it's very i feel like her arc is a really good representation of how walking in the light is a choice yeah like she really her whole life story drives that point home yeah she's so committed to that it's time for everyone's favorite part of star wars in the galaxy jake are we ready one quarter portion today is star wars opinions the Thing where we the segment where we ask each other two Star Wars opinionated questions, and Nessa will be asking you as well. So, um, yeah, Jacob, do you have your first question? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Nessa, I will ask you first since you're the, since you're the guest. If you could create a canon Star Wars passion project of your choice, uh, money, resources, no object. It could be a movie, a TV show, a book, a comic, or anything, and you have complete creative control. What would it be, and and why? Interesting question. Uh, it, yeah, this is a good one. Um, okay, so because obviously I think I've made it a little clear that I'm a huge clone nerd. You don't say. I would love. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I would love to headline a. From a certain point of view, specifically clone focus. I would, I would, I would read that. I would, I'm a huge fan of anthology projects, so yeah. Yes. Yep. I'm actually. Be, yeah, like that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. There's so much because there's so much variety in the exper- even in the experiences yeah. of the clones. And like, there are so many stories that are hinted at with the clones that I would love to expand on. Like, I know I've kind of given you guys some hints at some of my favorites. So obviously, I love Cody. I love Wolf. But my number one clone is Kix. Yeah, and yeah. do you guys know anything about Kix? Is is he not the medical yeah, clone the from the Art? First, he is. And he's also the guy he's... who got trapped in carbonite for like fifty years, right? Yeah, he's alive Wait, in the sequels. He's alive in the sequels. Oh my gosh! He what? is there when they go to Maz's cantina. Yeah. He's not on screen, but he's with the Crimson Corsair. He was this oh close to being gosh. in Resistance, like this close. Yeah. So, like, that's a story that I want to tell the entirety of. Like, that is a dream. Please. Yeah. Like, what happens when, I don't know exactly when he got frozen, but what happens when you miss so, so many historical events? Right? Like, they they don't get into it very much. There's literally just, like, a kid's book that talks about him being picked up by the Crimson Corsair. Because he, um, obviously, he finds out about the inhibitor chips. And Dooku puts out the word for Kix to be captured. Kix is captured. He's put in stasis. And then the ship that's carrying him malfunctions. And the droid that's flying it is like, okay, we'll just crash land. Because what's on the ship is too dangerous for anybody to find out about. And he just stays there in stasis. Oh my gosh. Jackets. I know. It's incredible. That is such a cool, that is such a cool premise. We really... I would really right? love to see it. Wow. I would love to just like expand on that. Yeah, that would be a dream. Yeah, <laughs> I know what I'm gonna go with for this one. You get neither of you guys are gonna be remotely surprised. I've talked about this on In a Galaxy before too. Um, it's it's a th- it's a series about the creation and development of the Final Order on Exegol, 
it's about how they did what they did the creepiness remember those creepy scenes at the beginning of rise of skywalker love hate the rise of skywalker i think like those scenes at the beginning with palpatine coming back to life again regardless of whether you thought that was a good story decision or not those scenes were cinematography yeah they were great i i would i'd love a series set on exegol um final order development answer a lot of the questions be the clone wars to the sequel trilogy fix up a lot of the patches that it has um and again i love the sequel trilogy um and then of course starring the elegant ochi of bestune um he would be he would be be elegant (laughs) that's the first time i've used that to describe him but here we are um but anyway yeah he would be star ochi of bestune in um in carrying out missions for the emperor uh and yeah it would be it'd be great I, I also I think, that, think we would see um, Ray's parents. That's the other thing, Ray's parents. We need to see Ray's yeah. parents. Yeah. I think that would yeah. be amazing because it would probably, I mean, we don't know how it's going to pan out, but so far from what we know of the Mandalorian, there's kind of this undercurrent, kind of the big mystery is what are they doing with this force-based research? They, they've referred to midichlorians or at least M, M count. M yeah. Counts. And, and when we see this lab, we see, we, we see the, the client is in on it we see um gideon is clearly in on this they're looking they want baby yoda so i think somehow bringing that back and connecting that in with emperor palpatine and and his his resurrection um i think that would be really cool the the doctor i am completely blanking on his dr pershing please excuse his lack of decorum sorry that's my excuse to do (laughs) werner herzog i love it (laughs) Isn't I'm he so s- wearing the Camino symbol? Yeah, he is. He is? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's on his shoulder. Plot twist. What? First yeah. I've heard of this. That's amazing. I, yeah. Wow. So many, po- so. so many possibilities. So many possibilities. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. There are, like, I was just thinking, there are, like, five Star Wars impressions that I love doing. Uncar Plot's one of them. The Client's definitely another one. Um... Because he has such such great lines. Um, Can I offer you a libation for uh, the closing of our ship? Gravitas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm fun. so I'm so sad that they killed him off. Yeah, I thought he right. Was so, he was so um. Yeah, he just had so much gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he he was he was a character. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's let's talk about Mandalorian because of my first question: If you could bring uh one pre-existing character. To make the jump to the Mandalorian, who is it? One pre-existing character to make the jump to the Mandalorian. Did I hear you right? Yeah. The jump, okay. I Oof. I can start this off if you guys want. Um, All right, yeah, sure. I was going to say Ochi before I pitched the final order thing, so I'm going to think of something different. I don't know how you do this. Maybe in the Mandalorian, probably, I know there's a rumored show about Ahsoka going on. If you have a rumored Ahsoka, Ahsoka show, do a flashback to Mortis because I want to see myself, my live action ones. The father, the son, the daughter, live action, let's do this. I, I guess I this is like not her. Mando, technically, shoot. But like, it could be, if if she had a flashback to Mortis. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Get Sam Witwer back, I know he'd want, love to be in The Mandalorian. Get him back as a son. Oh god, yes he would. <laughs> Yeah, that's my choice. Oh, I'm trying to think. Son, son, father, awesome. and daughter. Nessa, what would you, who would you pick? 
Okay, so I will admit straight off the bat that I'm not good with timelines. But I would love to see Jason Sandula. It could happen. Oh. It could happen. Yeah. But depending on when the epilogue is, it could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see that. And that, that would mean also a live action, probably a live action Hera. And I know Vanessa yeah. Marshall would love to do it. Personally, for my answer, I'm, I'm just going to say any character from Rebels. Um, personally, I love Rebels. I have a, I have a soft spot for it. Um, oh, yes, he does. I watched it all as it came out. It's it's one of my favorite pieces of, uh, of, of Star Wars material. So I think any seeing any character from... from uh, from Rebels would, would be absolutely amazing, especially if they were played by the voice actor. Yeah. I hope it's Chopper. Except for, except <laughs> oh for, except for maybe as <laughs> except for maybe as yeah, maybe as I know yeah, Rahul like, Coley Sabine. wants it. Give it to him. Yeah. I mean, Sabine. Please. Oh my God. Sabine would Hera, be amazing. They, they could both like, Tia I don't Sergar, know. I would love to see Sabine Vanessa Marshall. come back, like add another element into this, like, the different fractions of the Mandalorians. If you want to do a flashback, yeah. do you can fractions? get Freddy Prince. Oh, Kanan. No. I've, oh, man. Oh, <laughs> it hurts. Just it think hurts. about Kanan's fate. It, it hurts. hurts. But, uh, yeah. I have a Mentioning here. Kanan would be amazing. Jacob, go for your uh, second question, I believe. We're on. All right. So this one's kind of a, a two-part question. You can pick which one you want to answer. You can answer both. So, Nessa, what is one Star Wars character that everyone loves that you can't stand oh, or that you don't get the hype about? Or conversely, what is one Star Wars character that everyone just hates. rags on and everyone doesn't love. give the time of day, but that you have a soft spot for or that you like? Yeah. Okay, so in this moment, I'm really glad that I don't use my Twitter very often because I feel like this might get me in trouble. I don't care about Grogu. <laughs> I want to say I like him when I'm watching the show. But the proliferation of Grogu merchandise and such is, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, can I just, like, I want, I want one action figure of Din. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I know they're out there, but it's kind of, you know, yeah. when I go to Target and I'm looking for my Star Wars stuff, it's all Grogu. <laughs> It's just yeah. baby Yoda, baby Yoda, baby Yoda, child, Everywhere. child, child, go, 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 everything, Let's do this. all the time. Yes. Let's cash in okay. on that volume money that we spent on that. Well, hate, lo hate that everyone loves is an easy one for me. Darth Maul. You hit, yeah. Could, I, I know couldn't you. care less. I hate him. I've always hated him, and I will always hate him. Uh, even after the Clone Wars, even after Rebels. Uh, and by the way, I know this one. I'm not sure how unpopular this is, but... A character that I love that everyone hates. This is going to sound weird, but I'll explain this. The, my answer is Rey Skywalker. The That scene. That's fair. That scene at the end. I know quite a few people hate that scene. I can't get enough of that scene. I love Rey proclaiming herself a Skywalker. It was exactly what I wanted at the end of the sequel trilogy. And that's my character that I love that everyone seems to hate. I respect that. I don't. I don't do. I don't like it. I don't, I don't agree, agree with, with it, it. But I accept. But it. I'll accept it. Yep. I, I realize, uh, Nessa, we didn't give the opportunity to answer the other half of the question. Would you like to? I'm trying to think if there's any characters that like I love that nobody really cares about. Um. I mean, I, I guess the best one would probably be Cody. <laughs> yeah. 
but <laughs> come on, Dakota, the time has come. <laughs> but yeah, I can't really think of anybody else. I don't know. I feel. I think you may be right. I think Cody doesn't like for the amount of airtime he gets in the Clone Wars. It feels like he doesn't get a, a lot of love compared to Rex. Who's the better character in Galaxy of Heroes? I just started playing Galaxy of Heroes again after like a four month break. Who's the better character? Rex by like two miles. It's true. Not an accident. I love Cody, but I haven't even bothered like leveling him up. He's just kind of sitting in my character list in Galaxy of Heroes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you played Galaxy of Heroes. Oh yeah. (laughs) When did you start playing? Me? Yeah. Uh, I actually started playing several years ago. I'm lucky enough to actually own the username Bo-Katan. Oh my wow. god. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that's in hot demand then, right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is, but it's mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I I played for a really long time and then I got back out of it. And I think maybe obviously like quarantine gives us all kinds of opportunities. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to download it again and see what's going on. And now I'm back full swing. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Nice. Yeah, I played, um, I played Galaxy of Heroes. I remember playing it with Eli. Um, you, know, you remember this, right? We, we were playing it on launch day, I think. We did, it, yeah. Right? We were like, oh my god, look at this cool new Star Wars game. We both quit for quite a long time. I got back about 10 days ago because I saw there were some 5th anniversary rewards that I could not. Ooh, and yeah. then I ended up getting Darth <laughs> Revan, so... Um, oh, nice! Yeah. Um, after <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, now you can never leave. And, and after crazy <laughs> grinding, so yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I remember playing. I remember being very into that game around the time that uh, around the time that the Phoenix Squadron and Thrawn came out. I think that was days. the peak of the game for those me for my experience mm-hmm. of the game. May I be permitted to answer? Oh, absolutely. Sorry, perhaps? totally forgot. <laughs> I just realized I want to say so for one character that everyone loves and I can't stand. I realized that because you're, um, I will try to be polite about oh, this no. because I'm realizing that we have someone whose username is Bo-Katan. I know I I can't I'm I'm gonna say this as nicely as I can I can't stand Bo-Katan I can't stand her I don't know what it is I I get that a lot of people like her I think she's an awesome she's like she's a badass she's cool but I it it, it just irritates me how she she seems to be kind of being coded as a hero when she seems to have just done a whole bunch of Really, really terrible things. Yeah, really, really terrible things that have that hasn't been remediated, and she hasn't like changed. Basically, like yeah. it would be one thing if she's like, "I'm sorry," but she's just kind of like, "Eh, big deal." Like, I, I love that she gets mad about you know what Maul does, but she yeah. helped him. Yeah, like you're. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that's part of why I like her. Because she is very flawed, and you don't get to see flawed characters like that very often. Yeah, she's very flawed. There's this great yeah. line from that episode, which is definitely a "she's not a hero" line, but I just love. So we're so just put some tea on. We'll we'll, we'll be up there eventually. It was so yeah, perfectly both. That was on. that was pretty funny. Like that was a good. <laughs> it was like it was, was like the line. I like firsts, um, good or bad. They're both memorable um, from Ahsoka. And that redacted yes. line from that redacted character in the Mandalorian that we can't yes. discuss. Um, yeah, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like here's something I want to like Bo-Katan, but I feel like the way that people are viewing her now, 
where there's sort of, for lack of a better word, I see some people standing her and, and I see her kind of being positioned as a, as a hero. It just kind of irritates me because it's like, wait a minute, what about all these things? And also... It's like, y'all don't realize what she's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to gatekeep, but I do, I do, I do think that some people maybe are, are maybe, maybe don't understand her backstory or maybe don't know her backstory. And that's okay. Yeah. It just irritates me personally. Do you have one for the other category, Jacob, or Nesta, actually? I'm going to say Ezra Bridger from Rebels because, look, everyone says he's whining, and he is whining in the early seasons, especially. But I think that the way that he kind of grows and we see that become actually not just an annoying character trait, but we see his kind of brattiness and his his teenage angst kind of played out in uh, Steps into Shadow, where he's fighting with Kanan about the Holocron. I think that's interesting, and I think that a lot of people don't really give him a chance. And, and they, they, they always see him as the, the kind of sassy Aladdin that he is in a spark of rebellion. And, and they don't, they don't yeah, let him, the um, growth. yeah, they don't let him, they don't let him grow. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, Ezra, he's, he's not perfect. Um, like as, as a person in Star Wars or as a, as a character that, that is being portrayed, he's not perfect, but, um. I, I think he he gets a little too much uh, he gets a little too much flack. What character in Star Wars do we need a better or more enriched backstory for? Ooh, I, I have Deepa Balaba. Deepa Balaba. Um, Bingo! I'm going to shout out totally uh, Connor Sikitty uh, on Twitter right now. He's one of the hosts of the Nerd Academy podcast, um, and his Twitter name right now is Deepa Balaba is my Star Wars mother. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we follow each other, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Um, yeah, so Balaw, good choice. Jake, do you have one? Because I have one. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, Nessa, are, before we go on, do you want to elaborate on that? or? So, I love her. Um, I, I can't even word. Um, I'm currently reading Shatterpoint. I don't know if that's an EU book that either of you have read. I know about it, but I, I, I haven't. I haven't heard of it, but it's on my list. Yeah. So it is, um, it really explores the, I'm trying to like piece things together. In the Kanan comic, you see like how Kanan and Depa meet and how like she takes him on as her Padawan and all of this. And there's all these hints about how like something that went down with her that like she lost almost all of her troops and like she faced Grievous. And this is obviously like an EU version of that where you see, um, Mace actually going to rescue her from the dark side to put it in very very simple terms and the book itself is astounding like I really love the writing it's so well done and it's very dark and creepy and I love seeing creepy stuff in Star Wars it's, um, Matthew uh, Stover who wrote the Revenge of the Sith book yes. that everyone yes. loves to death Yes. Um, yep. It's so beautifully written. But obviously, like, now it's Legends. But I feel like we need more for her. Because who she is as a person, obviously, is going to be incredibly influential on who Kanan is as a person. Yeah. And, you know, I we get a little bit of it in the comics, but obviously not everybody reads the comics. And I would just love to see a little bit more about, like, her story, 
how she became a Jedi, what she does, because she's a diplomat, and we don't see very many, like, Jedi diplomats. So much of what Cal and I would... Kestis was in Fallen Order was based on T'Pol, and if we follow that same logic, which we should, um, yep. both were Order 66 survivors of masters who died for them. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. But yeah. I got one. Jacob, you wanna do your answer? Uh, maybe you should go ahead, because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with something here. Mother Talzin. That's a good pick. Uh, this is that probably is good bolstered pick. by reading the excellent short story by a certain Ian Convery um, in the Clone Wars anthology Bless. books. Uh, if you don't know, uh, for people don't know, she is also married to Dave Filoni. Uh, mm-hmm. And she wrote a great story called Bug um, about like basically a good night sister and her daughter and how they in- intersected with Talzin and what went on with that. And after that, after the Clone Wars, I want a Talzin backstory. This is somebody that Darth Sidious was afraid of. Darth yeah. Sidious. What'd she do to deserve that? I love that. I love the Night Sisters. So basically anything, any material, any media that comes out with them, I'm here for it. Yeah, I wanna see I wanna see more Talzin. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Talzin totally. That sounds like a great choice. Um I think, oh gosh, for my pick, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna loop it back around. I'm gonna say we need a Plo Koon backstory. Ooh. I would love to see what happens with a, uh, with with Plo Koon because how he, he clearly has a very different approach from a lot of the senior Jedi and how they how they deal with clones. He's 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 not necessarily attached. He doesn't have these attachments in the way that Anakin he's does. Compassionate. But he's more compassionate, and and the perfect example of this is when, um, one of the clones says, "We're just clones. We're meant to be expendable." And he says, "Not to me." Like, how did he get to be like that? How did he get to be different? Talking about that a couple episodes back with Jared from the Nerd Academy podcast. So, carry on though. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. I did this all day. Um. I know Eli is Eli is good at this stuff, Um, (laughs) but you know Nessa, in the same way that you said, we need to see more of Balaba to understand. How Kanan develops, I think. What if we we need to see more of a so or Plo-Koon we need to see more of Plo Koon to see how Ahsoka develops? I think it's a it's yeah. a bit of a reach, but he's because he's not her master, but he clearly is a very important mentor figure to her. If so I, I would remember love correctly, to... I, I may again be misinterpreting things. I I have so much like random stuff in my brain, and occasionally it ends up being something from a fanfic that I read. Um, <laughs> if I remember correctly, Plo Koon actually wanted to take Ahsoka as his Padawan, and they wouldn't let him because he was already attached to her. Maybe that yeah. doesn't ring a bell. To Maybe me, that's that like... sounds right. That sounds. Yeah. I mean, it sounds doesn't ring right, a bell, but that sounds like... very plausible. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a matter of him like. Yeah. being refused but it was just something they were kind of like mm, maybe we shouldn't let this happen it, yeah i i i was just thinking for a species that sees things so black and white as we have heard about keldor it's ironic that most of the jedi council sees things as more black and white than plo Koon does um yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i think plo Koon, i feel like it's kind of the middle between like the qui-gon extreme and the windu extreme just yeah, like, I was going to mention that like his his approach like, feels very Qui-Gon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was a good friend of Qui-Gon. He wanted Qui-Gon to join the council. Um, we know this. Yeah. Uh, but yep. Qui-Gon didn't really want him in the council's 
He's um, too much of a hippie for that. Qui-Gon's in one day the council <laughs> shit, so, um... Absolutely. Let's get into our speed round questions. Um, okay. <laughs> Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Padme Amidala. Okay. Yeah. Padme Amidala. Do you want to elaborate a little bit, or...? Uh, yeah, um... Like I said, I mean, at the very beginning of all of this, like, Padme was the reason I really, like, fell in love with Star Wars, mostly because I fell in love with her. Um... And she's just always been this kind of inspiration that she's, she never compromises herself except to grow. So, oh, and I've always liked that about her and that like, she's always willing to recognize her own mistakes, her own faults, her own issues, and then use the strength she gains to help others. Nessa, what is your favorite trilogy? Prequels. Yeah, those I are the ones the you, <laughs> so you saw the prequel. See, so you're, you're of the era where you saw the prequels in the theaters. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So nice. I saw the first two in theaters. I didn't see. I don't remember seeing the third one. But um, yeah, like it's it's. And I will say when I say that the prequels are my favorite, usually what I'm saying is uh, I saw a tweet recently about how the Clone Wars is the firmware pat firmware patch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw that tweet too. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like the prequel era specifically it's is my favorite. favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. crazy. After four guests on, the prequel trilogy is our favorite trilogy. Oh. Two so, to one to one. So two to one to one. Wow. All right. Um, it was actually your fellow Project Stardust colleague who was the prequel. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, if you don't have this like down, which I completely understand if you don't, you can just tell us what your favorite Star Wars movie is. But if you do have it down, tell us what your Star Wars movie ranking is. All of them? Uh, all the theatrical ones. Or, or your top five, or if you want. Or your top or, five. Or your favorite. Yeah. Favorite okay. top five or um, ranking. It would be uh, Rogue One, Attack of the Clones. <sighs> From bottom to top? An, an, uh, other direction. Rogue One's my number one. Oh. Oh, wow. So, interesting. I've, yeah, so. Shoot. More power <laughs> to you. I've never heard that before. I'm here for it. I don't know why, I, but I, I love I, it. I, I absolutely I'm love it. I'm embarrassed to say those are my bottom two, but okay. Uh. Yeah, that's oh. fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> okay, so one is Rogue One. Two is Attack of the Clones. Three would be Revenge of the Sith. Four would be A New Hope. And five would be Return of the Jedi. Hey, Return of the Jedi, I love. That's, that's great. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Jacob. All right. Oh, sorry, your, your cursor's in front of it. What is your favorite piece of Star Wars media? Could be anything. Then that's not a movie that people are missing out on. Fallen Order. Absolutely. Um, the, the video game? Yeah, the the video game, order. yep. So oh. first caveat, I've never actually played it myself, but I've watched my wife play it four times. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that's, 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 that's commitment. Yeah. That's commitment right there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um and it just it is seriously mind-blowing in terms of like the character development you experience over the course of the game, the worlds that they explore, the stories that they tell you and just I always love stories that tell you about the aftermath of Order 66, whether it's a Jedi, a clone or a civilian or whatever. Um It's a good just, story. I've played it myself. Um I find yeah, that it's so good. Fallen Order is the rebels of Star Wars video games. It has a yeah. very passionate fan base. Um, they cover a lot of the same things too, um, and I'm 
I guess I, I'm gonna say this about both of them because I have the same opinion about both of them, which is that I love both of them. Both of them have great things in it. I will say I'm not as ardent of a fan of Rebels and Fallen Order as some people are. As I'm not as ardent of a fan as you or Alex Damon from Star Wars Explained is. Um, I'm not as ardent of a Rebels fan as Jacob or Meg Dowell herself or um, Laura <laughs> Kelly or any of these people are of Rebels, but I appreciate both. Um, but yeah, Fallen Order, yeah. very good pick. Who is your favorite Star Wars background character? I can't imagine why we put this in, but okay. <laughs> um, I always blank on her name, but in the sequel trilogy, when they're in Maz's Cantina, the woman who gets up and sends the message to the first uh, order yes yeah i love her name I, her name is the best thing ever bazine natal yes i love bazine her natal <laughs> yeah great name good character too yeah, i haven't <laughs> thought about i haven't thought about her or that scene in ages but yeah you know, i i, I want to know more about her for sure there's a short story okay. right? there is yeah <laughs> what do you think is the coolest Star Wars species. Tegruda. I Tegruda. love Tegruda. Me too, if I could remember yeah. that they're not Twi'leks. Um, <laughs> we had a question in a trivia actually... contest, and I said, oh. Tegruda, I said Ahsoka Tano was a Twi'lek by accident. That's oh, going to no. haunt me forever. <laughs> it was actually really, uh, so like I mentioned earlier, we have a Slack that we use for um, Project Stardust, and we talk all the time. And it's one of those really cool things where we can kind of see that everybody has very niche interests in Star Wars. And we all know really cool different things. And I actually had somebody on the team ask about the difference between Twi'lek and Togruta. And I was like, I am here for this. <laughs> I know way too much about Togruta. <laughs> so I got to give like a Togruta lesson. <laughs> That's awesome. Great yeah. species, I both of that, them. I heard that the Togruta have... Um, that, that their horns are hollow and somehow that gives them better balance, I think. So they're more acrobatic. Yeah. I don't know, but so I just thought horns, that was pretty cool. Their horns are actually their ears. So they don't have ears that we can see. You know, like they don't have human-esque ears. They don't have the ear cones that the Twi'leks have. Um, but yeah, so like their horns function as their ears and they actually see movement. It's very cool. <laughs> they see movement. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, like, Definitely you know, like, have to look like at that. Toph from Avatar, <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is your preferred <laughs> Star Wars viewing order? Oh boy, that is a good question. Um, I usually do chronological order. Interesting. So, yep. One, two, I like three, four, five, six, things. seven, eight, nine. Yep. Yep. And then I. I put in the movies that you know like i put in rogue one between you know like ahead of a new hope and all yeah. of that so. rogue one or as i call it episode 3.999999 um yeah 3.999 <laughs> um, yeah uh okay go ahead chick all right what star wars planet would you go to for a vacation naboo i think mm, uh naboo or coruscant uh, for two very different reasons. Um, Naboo seems incredibly beautiful, and I feel like it'd be very relaxing. But I'm also, I have recently discovered that I'm the kind of person who is not afraid of New York City, oh. despite being from a very small town. 
So I feel like I would really love Coruscant and just seeing, I mean, like, it's such a cool concept, the city that's built on a city that's built on a city that's built on a city. And I mean, like, I was looking through one of the um, reference books the other day and like there are entire skyscrapers on Coruscant that hold 4 million people, like apartment buildings for 4 million people. Yeah. And that just sounds so cool to me. I'm watching <laughs> the Phantom I'm doing a trivia watch of the Phantom Menace right now. I just got off of Coruscant, so um Yeah. I've been in the Coruscant mode. Um what is yeah. the coolest <laughs> weird Star Wars viewing order? Like a non standard order. Chronological, like the, like not, the machete order. No, no, not machete. Ooh. Not machete. No. Not machete. Not machete, not chronological, not release. Anything else. If you don't have any, that's I fine too. I was going to say, I can't say I've seen one, but I can kind of imagine almost watching Star Wars as though the sequel trilogy is the current story and you watch the other ones as a myth. Oh my! So you would... Oh my god. <laughs> this is like... Jacob, are you picking up on what I'm picking on? I'm, I'm not. The last but... two guests we had on, when we asked them this question, said the exact same thing. This is our third time in a row having guests on. They're like, okay, so if you start with the sequel trilogy, um, it's crazy. That's nuts. And I feel like you would go in almost completely reverse order. So like you would hear, you you know, you would hear the story of the original trilogy first. And then it would be like, oh, 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 but if you to understand this, you need to hear this story too. And then understand this. And then you would hear the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lockwood order there. We didn't have so on viewing orders. Uh, seven, four, five, six, eight, one, two, three, nine. Wow. Yeah. It's, Whoa. It's, That's actually kind of an interesting order because, although I don't agree with the decision, the direction that they took it, arguably, the Jedi are a main theme of Episode Eight. Kind of thinking about yeah, what are the Jedi? Like, what's their legacy? Ryan, and then we go back. Is on Twitter and like proclaimed the, the Jedi trilogy as masterpieces and. It, Last Jedi was clearly inspired by the prequels and a lot of themes, so I think it works there too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Okay, <laughs> Jacob. Okay, if you lived in the Star Wars universe, what would you want your job to be? What would your occupation be? Okay, so I always do end up feeling really attached to the Senate. Um, I like politics. I like talking, which I know is a weird thing to say. Uh, but I do think I would end up ultimately becoming a senator. Oh, no, I'm not much nice. for politics. <laughs> um, okay. I'm not brave enough for politics. I'm not brave enough for politics. Uh, okay. That's interesting. Here's, my, here's another question for you. Uh, it, one of my favorite quotes describing the behind-the-scenes process of Star Wars, and yes, I'm bringing this up yet again. I'm sorry, Jacob. It's going to be a thing. It's like you and the Jedi losing their way. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like poetry. You know, they rhyme. Every stanza sort of line, rhymes with the last. Hopefully it'll work. Um, what is your favorite example of that in any Star Wars anything? I, that is a good question. Um, I, I'm going to kind of like pull some string, pull some threads, and kind of reference back to the article that I mentioned at the beginning when I, the one that I said that I edited, um, where Patty, one of my fellow writers, talked about the similar, <laughs> the similar stanzas between the story of Anakin and the story of Rey. 
And I feel like that is a really interesting kind of poetry there. And that we'll you link see... that in the description, of course. So you can check yeah, it out. Yeah, that would be awesome. It's, it's such a good article. I loved reading that. And, you know, just kind of seeing um, the repeated, I almost want to say chorus of The Chosen One and seeing how it changes as the, as the story or the song goes on. So I feel like that would be my kind of, my thing, if that makes sense. If you could take one item or force power from the Star Wars universe and, and have that in the real world, what would it be and why? I think, oh, I know. Um, and except now I'm kind of forgetting the words. Hal's ability, which I know that there's, uh, I think, and then Voss can also do it. Psychometry. The psychometry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that would be what I would want. Yeah. Touch an item, immediately see its history. Um, Yeah. I've always loved that idea. Can't you, um, doesn't, uh, Quinlan Quinlan Voss does that, um, during the Nalhada arc in the Clone Wars? He does. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I do, I do know what you're talking about. And I know that there's, there's a story, I don't know if it's a short story or a full book. Actually, Ray does it. Ray does do it. With Ochi's dagger, actually. Because um, we all, all got, always got our connect back. Um, <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, yeah, what are you six say? Degrees of Ochi. <laughs> we actually do have a game. Uh, we should just do Six Degrees of Ochi instead of Six Degrees of Star Wars. Star Wars is overrated. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Oh, there is another. Um, I a force sensitive i don't think he's a jedi but they talk about him having the psychometry ability actually i think i know what you're um, talking about it's a book called force collector yeah i read it Um, yeah it was okay but yeah Yeah. so i think those are the only three known force sensitives who have the ability which i thought was pretty cool yeah um yeah okay final question um we had in a galaxy have she's kind of become our mascot at this point um, I want her to be our mascot anyway. Uh, she's a bounty hunter who, in episode two, in Attack of the Clones, uh, attacks, uh, tries to attack Padme um, by trying to blow her ship. She hit the ship, but they used a decoy. She sends poisonous. Yeah, it's changeling. Worms. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Sam Wessel. Vindication. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dvor, you're wrong. Um, it's, it's, we have a little bit of an ongoing. Uh... I don't know con- controversy, I guess, about how to how to pronounce how to pronounce her Every name. Every single person I've Russell. asked, besides Devor from the incredible Star Wars podcast, The Large View of the Force, has said uh, Wessel. Um, he is the. I mean, to be fair, he, to be fair, he did have a good reason. Yeah, he heard it all his That's life. That's how he first heard Lizelle, it on a video game. But uh, yeah, Lizelle. yeah. My my thing is, I kind of use it. I was looking at my notes. Um, there was this thing about Bothawi earlier in the episode. I'm like, they say Bothawi in the episode. I'm like, how do you pronounce it? Bothawi or Bothawi? Maybe it's just Wazelle. Um, I just pop it in there whenever I feel like it. Um, <laughs> now it's in the lexicon. <laughs> yeah. I, I do it I do it all over the place, too. It's, it's, it's kind of <laughs> the thing. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, where can we find you, Nessa? Where can, you, where, is, where can we plug yourself right now? So uh, you mostly can find me on Instagram at at girly bruiser. And I am on Twitter. And I will be totally honest, I use it so little that I forget my own handle. So- I think I got it for you. Um, at oh, the yeah. witchness. Yeah, we'll 
right? At the witchness. At the witchness. Yep. <laughs> the witchness. So. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. That. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, you can find us um, at In a Galaxy Pod on Twitter. You can find us Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you find your podcast, that's where we're going to be. Um, we're on YouTube too, Star Wars and Galaxy. We're actually now on Instagram ourselves. Uh, Star Wars in a Galaxy, no spaces, no anything. Um, we probably won't use it that much because I don't really like, you know, um, I'm not really great at Instagram and I don't think Jacob is that interested either. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's going to be it for this episode. Next episode is an episode we've already recorded. We're going to be talking about Bombad Jedi, Cloak of Darkness, and Lair of Grievous. That'll be fun. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, in the meantime, may the force be with you always.